You're about to listen to another inspiring word from House on the Rock Church, the London Lighthouse. For more information and interaction with House on the Rock, please visit our website on hotr.org.uk. Open your Bibles quickly to the book of John and chapter 2. John chapter 2, we're reading the first five verses of John chapter 2. Let's remain standing in honor of the second person of the Trinity, the living word of God. Hallelujah. Don't tune off online. In fact, invite others to join us right now because something is about to happen. John 2, 1 to 5. On the third day, there was a wedding in Cana of Galilee and the mother of Jesus was there. Now both Jesus and his disciples were invited to the wedding. And when they ran out of wine, the mother of Jesus said to him, They have no wine. Jesus said to her, Woman, what does your concern have to do with me? My hour has not yet come. His mother said to the servants, Whatever he says to you, do it. You know the rest of the story, and this is all I need. Jesus went on to turn water into wine, all right? But prior to him doing this, his reply to his mother's inquiry was, my hour has not yet come. In other words, he was saying, it's not my time yet. It's not my time. But at the insistence of his mother, he still went ahead to intervene in this situation. I, I don't know. I, I need to make something clear this Sunday morning. I didn't come to teach today. I didn't come with enticing words of man's wisdom. I didn't, did not come with wisely knit together old wives' fables. I came here with a prophetic declaration. I came as a prophet to declare to you, it is your time. Oh, it's your set time for favor. You've been waiting for a long time. You've been watching, watching others testify one after the other, wondering when it would be your turn. Well, I came to tell you this Sunday morning, your turn is now. It is your time. If you believe me what I'm saying, come on, preach to your neighbor and tell your neighbor, it is your time. <laughs> Thank you, Lord. We give you the glory. We give you the praise. Help me this morning. Speak through me like only you can. In Jesus' mighty name, I do pray. And the people said a loud amen. As you take your seat, tell your neighbor once again, it's your time, it's your time. It is your time. Woo, hallelujah. I didn't come to teach, I didn't come to preach, I didn't come to impress you with my intelligence. I came with a prophetic word. And how is the appropriate way to respond to prophecy? Well, number one, you respond with faith. Number two, you take the prophecy as a weapon of war and you add it to your arsenal with which you will use to defeat the enemy when he comes to try to contest that word in your life. But by way of foundation, I'm going to go to one of the verses that I find so, so interesting 
one of my favorite verses in the book of Ecclesiastes chapter 9 and verse 11. Ecclesiastes chapter 9 and verse 11. And Solomon is, is writing here and he says, I returned and saw under the sun that the race is not to the swift, nor the battle to the strong, nor bread to the wise, nor riches to men of understanding, nor favor to men of skill. But time and chance happens to them all. Time and chance happeneth to them all. On the surface, when you read this verse, you come to the wrong conclusion that life is simply the roll of a dice. Uh, that time and chance, that it is not how swift you are, it's not how strong you are, it's not how wise you are, it's not how understanding you are, it's not how skillful you are that determines the outcome of your life because it's just a roll of a dice, it's just a matter of time and chance. Now we need to examine this scripture a little bit closer. Uh, for, for there to be equity and justice, time and chance cannot be the exclusive preserve of a few people. At very best, that means everybody needs to have at least a time and a chance. So in other words, time and chance must happen for everyone. Ah uh, yes, time and chance must happen to everyone. But the problem with that is that if time and chance happens to everyone, not everyone is going to catch it. Uh, God forbid, but you could miss your time and your chance. Every single person on the face of the earth will have a time and a chance, but they could miss it. Uh, but that's if we choose to interpret that verse in that light. When I look a little bit closer and deeper at the verse, I realize that when it says time and chance happens to them all, it is not necessarily referring to every single person upon the face of the earth. What if the them all in the verse is actually list, referring to the earlier category of people listed in the verse? If that be the case, the them all are actually the swift, the strong, the wise, the understanding, and the skillful. So time and chance happens to these five categories of people. Why would I come to that conclusion? Because chance, chance, chance is a window. Chance is a window, a window that opens and closes. It is not open forever. It's only open for a certain period of time. Therefore, if you miss the window, if you miss the time, if you miss the chance, you've missed it. And the only people that are able to capture the window are those category of people I talked about earlier, the swift, the strong, the wise, the understanding, and the skillful. That's the them all that are able to seize the window. Opportunities have to be seized in the lifetime of the opportunity. Why these five virtues? Why are they necessary? Because you have to be swift enough to catch it. You have to be strong enough to hold it. You have to be wise enough to discern it. You have to be understanding enough to maximize it. And you have to be skillful enough to sustain it. Somebody shout yes! 
But really, that's not my preoccupation this Sunday morning. I'm writing a book on this. Look out, it's coming soon. Hallelujah. My preoccupation this Sunday morning is really with time and chance. Ah, time and chance. I've been thinking and meditating about time and chance, and I zeroed in on chance, and I came to realize that there is no knowledge of chance without time. You cannot know a chance save within time. In other words, uh, the unit of measurement of a chance is the time span in which the chance exists. The dead don't know chance. There's no chance for them anymore. They are gone. The only people that can know chance are those that are alive. Uh, in other words, the way I measure chance is actually with time. As long as I have time, I have a chance. Oh, you didn't hear me what I'm saying. As long as I have time, I have a chance. Uh, this is actually what, what we mean when we say, as long as there is life, there is hope. That's what it means, that as long as I have time, that means I have a chance. Now, if chance is measured by time, it means that they are synonymous. It means that chance is time. Hello? Chance is time. Now, this creates a problem if chance is time, because then when it says time and chance, it's saying time and time. If chance is synonymous with time, and it's, it is, then time and chance is time and time. But how can it be time and time? It should just be time then. Why is it time and time? The reason it is time and time is because there are two different types of time. In our text, when it says time, and maybe the reason that it is interpreted as chance is to try not to confuse you. And I'm not trying to confuse you this morning. I'm bringing you light that this time and chance is actually time and time. And the time and time are two different types of time. And the two different types of time are chronos and kairos. These are the Hebrew words, the Greek words, that are translated time in the Bible. Uh, but when we even study the etymology of the words, uh, we get even greater light. Because the word chronos, which is one of the root words for time, is the word from which we get chronology. Now, chronology is the ceaseless passage of time, from seconds to minutes, from minutes to hours, from hours to days, from days to weeks, weeks to months, months to years years, years to decades, and on and on and on. Are you hearing me what I'm saying? So chronology is the ceaseless passage of time. It just goes on and on. That's chronology. Chronology. No one can stop time. Whenever we say that, we're talking about chronology. It just goes on and on. You can't stop it. It's going on and on. That's one of the definitions of time. But there's another definition of time in the text and in the Bible. It's Kairos. 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 Kairos is not a chronos. Kairos is different. Kairos is a window. Ooh. 
Kairos is a window of opportunity. It's an interruption Ooh, in Kronos. Uh, Kairos uh, is a moment in time, uh, while Kronos is the ceaseless passage of time. You find Kronos uh, as a moment in time, an interruption in time. What is unique about Kairos? Uh, Kairos is a moment in time in which everything is aligned to make something possible uh, that was formerly impossible. Oh, uh, you didn't hear me what I'm saying. It's a moment in time where everything is aligned in your favor, where the heavens are kissing the earth, where help is all around you. It's a moment in time. It's a Kairos moment. Now, a lot of us know about Kairos moments, and you've heard me preach about it over and over again. You're still going to hear me preach about it over and over again because God gives us Kairos moments ah, to, to be able to intervene, to be able to come and cause a supernatural turn around. So I'm going around in my Kronos. And the thing about Kronos is that Kronos can be boring because Kronos is continual. It's tiring. It's repetitive. It is routine. But I've still got to keep on going with my Kronos. The truth be told, I can't even really stop Kronos because even if I decided to sleep for five days, it didn't make the time stop. The time kept, kept on moving. But I've got to learn how to maximize my chronos because it is just a matter of time that an interruption is coming. <laughs> it's just a matter of time. A Kairos moment is about to appear. And when the Kairos moment appears, then I better seize the moment. Oh, yeah. Now, we've known about Kairos moments, which are within time. But then God started to talk to me about Kairos places. Uh, because there are some places that are not just Kairos moments, they're Kairos places. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and even the movies understand this. A Kairos place is a consecrated place, such that in that place, not just anything happens in that place. Have you watched that movie where two people are battling and fighting to the death, but then one of them runs into a certain place, and immediately they stepped into that place. Uh, anybody watch John Wick? Uh, you know what I'm talking about. Once they stepped into that place, they have to stop fighting. Why? Because they've just stepped into a Kairos place where warfare and contestation is no longer allowed. And so you have to drop your weapons because you are now in a Kairos place. Let's leave the movies and let's come to real life and to the Bible. Well, Jacob was running from home and he went to sleep. He put his head upon a stone and he had a vision and he saw a ladder going up to the heavens and angels ascending and descending. When he woke up, he said, I did not know that this was the gate of heaven. He consecrated the place, he dedicated the place, he built an altar in the place because that wasn't just a Kairos moment. That was a Kairos place. Ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. Can I announce to somebody this Sunday morning, you are sitting or you are standing in a Kairos place right now. Hey! You are in a Kairos place right now. Why? Because it's been duly consecrated. It's been duly dedicated. Uh, prayer and offerings have consistently gone up in this place. Let me tell you what is unique about a Kairos place. In a Kairos place, Kairos moments happen repetitively. 
They don't just happen once. They happen again and again and again and again. It's almost like, let me just get into that Kairos place and I will have a Kairos moment. That's why I was glad when they said unto me, let us go unto the house of the Lord because in that place, I will have a Kairos moment. I'll have a Kairos moment. But God has developed the revelation even better. And he started to tell me that there aren't just Kairos moments and Kairos places. There are Kairos people. Uh, I, said, I said, God, talk to me. He said, Jesus is the ultimate Kairos person. Uh, he went to a pool uh, where people were seated in that place uh, waiting for the Kairos moment uh, when the waters will be stirred uh, and whoever got into the water first uh, would receive their healing. Uh, there had been no stirring for a while. Uh, so Jesus came there and met a man uh, that had been infirmed for 38 years uh, and he said, why are you still here? The guy said, I I have no man. He did not know he was speaking to the man. He said, I have no man to help me get into the water in the Kairos moment and so that I would receive my healing. Uh, that's why I've been here. Jesus said, I am the man. We don't have to wait for a time. We don't have to wait for a place. All of it meets in me. I'm the Kairos person. Get up and be healed. Walk out of this place. Can I prophesy to somebody this Sunday morning? You are not just in a Kairos moment. You are not just in a Kairos place. You are encountering a Kairos people. If you believe it, shout yeah. Woo! Hallelujah. I carry Kairos. I carry Kairos. For Christ in me is the hope of glory. I'm carrying Kairos. Whenever I speak, whenever I declare, whenever I pray, I am creating a Kairos moment for anyone that would choose to believe, anyone that would choose to see this, even in the moment. If you believe me what I'm saying, come and shout, yeah! Sit down, sit down, sit down. We're just talking. A Kairos moment is a divine appointment. It's a divine appointment. It's a divine appointment. And this is our month of divine appointment. What is an appointment? The dictionary tells us that an appointment is an, an, it is an arrangement. Hey, Jesus, help me. It is an arrangement to meet someone at a particular time and place. Another definition for appointment, it is, it is the act of appointing or assigning a job or position to someone. I appoint you king. I appoint you queen. I appoint you leader. I appoint you CEO. Synonyms for appointment, therefore, include meeting place, engagement, arrangement, rendezvous, commitment, fixture, 
uh, in terms of it being an appointment, uh, uh, yeah, and uh, an assigning of a job or a position, synonyms include nomination, naming, designation, installation, commissioning, selection, choosing, post, position, office, oh God, divine appointments. An appointment is a set time for something to happen. An appointment is an elevation to a particular position. An appointment is both these things and more. And I came to tell somebody this Sunday morning that God has set up divine appointments for you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, where something will happen. Divine appointments that's going to result in the elevation of you into a particular position. Ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. God has set up divine appointments in your life for certain things to happen and for your elevation into particular positions. Oh, you don't understand. You see, this my God, this my God, he's uh, omnipotent, which means that he's all powerful. This my God, he's omniscient, which means he knows all things and he's all wise. But I'm particularly infused with the fact that this my God is omnipresent. That means he's present in all places at the same time. As he's with us here in the Rock Tower of House of the Rock London, so he is present in the Rock Cathedral in the city of Lagos. But that is correct, but not complete, because it's omnipresent. It's not just limited to space. It's also, he is in all times at all times. Therefore, that means that he is right here with us in 2022, as well as he is in 2042, and in 2067 uh, and in 1742. Uh, my God is so big that he's everywhere at the same time. He's in all times uh, at all times. Uh, therefore, my God cannot make a promise to you uh, like a man makes a promise to you. Uh, because when a man makes a promise to you, he's telling you what he wants to do for you in the future. Because he has not entered the future yet. And sometimes when we get to that future, he might no longer have the wherewithal to do what he promised to do for you. But not my God. Because when my God makes you a promise, he's not telling you something he is going to do. He's doing something that he has already done in the future. You just haven't gotten there yet. Oh yeah. You don't hear me what I'm saying. Minister Lamy, please quickly come. Oh, yeah, come. Can, can somebody else quickly join Mr. Lamy? Come and stand here for me, just over here. Yeah, Emmanuel, stand over there. So, what God does is that God has set up this divine appointment in your tomorrow, and He has set up this other divine appointment in the following month. And in this appointment, He's already done what He's going to do. But 
you are over here and you're feeling like nothing is working, nothing is happening for me. I'm just in the same position. I can't see my breakthrough. I can't get to my next level. Keep on walking. Tell your neighbor, keep on walking. Uh, tell your neighbor, don't stop, don't stop, don't stop. Uh, God has set up an appointment. What did we say about an appointment? It's a divine arrangement. He has already arranged, he's already set up that if you keep on moving, it's just a matter of time. You are going to walk into your divine appointment. Ah, and this appointment is set to take you up on a new direction, a new trajectory. But what you need to do is you need to be faithful to keep on walking. Come on, preach to your neighbor one more time and tell them, keep on walking. Keep on walking. As you keep on walking, you're going to encounter the divine appointments of God. And they're going to totally turn your life around. They're going to lift you to a new level and put you in a position that you never thought you would be able to occupy. If you believe me what I'm saying, get up on your feet and give God the praise this Sunday morning. Thank you. You can go and sit, Emmanuel. Um, Mr. Lamy, hallelujah. Hallelujah. So now I start to think, uh, as my time is fast spent, and I look at the example of Esther, Hadashah. Yeah. Esther is the Persian name. The actual Hebrew name is Hadashah. Hallelujah. And Esther was minding her own business, serving her elder cousin, who was more or less a father to her, minding her own business. Just living life. Who? But my God, he's the divine orchestrator, the master matchmaker, the one that plans all things. Many are the purposes of man, but it's the word, Lord's purpose that shall prevail. <laughs> She's minding her own business over there. And the king decides to throw a party to celebrate his wealth, 180 days. And then he decides, I'm going to climax it with seven more days. And a lot of wine was flowing. He got drunk. On the final day, he says, send for my wife, Vashti. She's so beautiful. I need to showcase her to the world. So he sends Enoch uh, uh, to uh, uh, Vashti. And Vashti is having her own party with her own girlfriends. He said, this God drunk. He wants to use me like a trophy and start showing me the world. I ain't interested. Tell the king I ain't coming. Vashti misbehaved. And the Enoch came back and said, your queen said he ain't coming. And the rest of the story, the king says, okay, she not going to be my queen no more. Because if the queen can submit to the king, then the queen shouldn't be, the queen shouldn't be queen. So she misbehaved. Uh, but the misbehavior was a divine opportunity. Oh, God. God will cause some people to misbehave just to create a vacancy for you. Uh, can I tell you what I've seen in the spirit? I saw vacancies. I saw vacancies. I saw vacancies. I saw vacancies. 
uh, is going to cause somebody to misbehave so that a vacancy can be created for you. Uh, so now there was a vacancy. Uh, uh, all the women in the land, beautiful women, uh, came forward uh, to come and occupy uh, and bid uh, and contest uh, for this vacancy. Oh, Jesus, help me this Sunday morning uh, to contest for the vacancy. Uh, and Mordecai uh, made sure that Hadasha Esther was in the number. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, you know the story. No, 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 no. When I look at it, I don't really think Esther was the most beautiful girl in the list. I don't think so. I don't think so. I, I, I don't think that she had all the statistics uh, that maybe the king liked because beauty is the high of the beholder, isn't it? Uh, some people like them big, some people like them small, some people like them tall, some people like them short. Uh, she, so I don't know that she necessarily had the right stats. You understand what I'm talking about? Uh, I, I know she did not have the right background. I knew, know that she was hailing from a place that naturally the king would never have selected a queen from. I don't think that she had the necessary upbringing and tutelage in palace etiquette to be able to contest for the position of queen. So the question arises, how come she was selected? She didn't qualify. How come she was Selected. I'll tell you why and what I believe. Esther had something. Uh, she had something special. Uh, she had something unique. Can I tell you what it was? It's called the favor of God. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. She had the favor of God. The favor of God will beautify you. The favor of God will set you apart. The favor of God will exempt you. Oh, you don't hear me what I'm saying. The favor of God, it isn't fair. It's just favor. The favor of God will put you in front. She had favor. First of all, she had favor with Haggai, the guy that was in charge of all the women. And therefore, Haggai was able to give her insider secrets on what to do, how to be behave, where to go. Favor delivered to her secrets. Can I announce to somebody that the favor of God is about to deliver to you secrets of what to do, how to do, when to do, where to do, with whom to do. And when each woman would come before the king, they were allowed to bring whatever they wanted to bring to try to impress the king. When it was Hadasha Esther's turn, she went to Haggai that she had a favor with and said, what should I do? And the scripture says she only went forward with what he said. And then she came into the presence of the king and the same favor of God she had enjoyed from Haggai, she now enjoyed with the king and she was selected. I need to prophesy over somebody's life this Sunday morning that the favor of God is coming upon you in this month like never before. It's going to set you apart. It's going to distinguish you. It's going to cause you to be picked out of the crowd. If you believe me what I'm saying, come and shout yeah. Woo! 
It says in the book of Psalms that he causes favor to surround the righteous as a shield, to encompass the righteous as a shield. Uh, yeah. Favor is about to encompass you as a shield. Uh, to, to encompass means to surround. That means you're going to have favor on the right. You're going to have favor on the left. You're going to have favor behind you. You're going to have favor before you. Oh, God. Uh, favor on your right. Your, your right hand speaks of your strength. That means favor is going to come upon your strength. It's going to come upon your labor. And it's going to cause you to do exploits above your natural competence. Typically, your left hand speaks about your weakness, uh, where you are not able to do quite as astoundingly as you would do on your right. But favor on your left hand is going to bridge the gap of your weaknesses. Are you hearing me? What I'm saying? Favor behind you in your rear guard. That speaks of your past. That speaks of your mess-ups. That speaks of your mistakes. Well, the favor of God is about to cover your past, your past mistakes, and cause men to look upon those mistakes and make excuses for you. In other words, they're going to look upon those mistakes and they're going to write them off. They'll look upon the mistakes favorably. Uh, favor before you uh, is that which goes ahead of you into the interview. Uh, that which goes ahead of you into the negotiation. That which goes ahead of you into the proposal. Hey, Jesus, help me. Uh, favor goes ahead uh, and it secures for you uh, continual open doors. Uh, that's favor. Uh, favor is coming upon you. Uh, I came to tell somebody this Sunday morning, this is your set time for favor. It's your appointment with favor. It's your appointment with favor. Favor will promote you to the fore. Favor will put a crown of glory upon your head. So Esther thought that this unprecedented favor was for her and her family. But there's always a bigger picture. She was appointed for such a time as this, for the deliverance of the Jews. There was a more consequential reason why God was lifting her in that season and why God is lifting you in this season. It's bigger than you, it's bigger than me. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and its righteousness. He's favoring you not just for you, but for the many others that you are meant to lift. So I start coming to the close by going back to our text. Are you ready for it? It is your time. Tell your neighbor, it is your time. It is your time. But Jesus said, it's not my time. Mary said, it is your time. She said it by saying, whatever he tells you to do, do it. She was saying to Jesus, you might say it's not your time, but I'm not taking no for an answer. I know that faith and obedience will make what was not your time become your time. Whatever he tells you to do, do it. Jesus 
It is, in fact, your time. By faith and obedience. <laughs> the wait is over. It's your time. I, I know you, you, you said you were waiting on God, and, and as well-intentioned as that might be, could I suggest to you that the reverse is actually the case, that God is waiting upon you to seize the moment. <laughs> it is your time to seize the Kairos moment, to provoke a turning around. But someone still insisted and said, it's not, it's not, it's not time. Pastor, you don't understand. It's not time. The conditions are not right. The temperature is wrong. The people are not favorably disposed. Pastor, it's not time. There isn't enough money. We're in the cost of living crisis. There are challenges everywhere. It's not time. This is not the time. But Ecclesiastes 11 verse 4 says that he that observes the wind will not sow, and he who regards the clouds will not reap. Uh, it is, in fact, time. The time is now. It is in the time of darkness that light is most needed for darkness shall cover the land and gross darkness shall cover the people but the glory of the Lord will be seen upon you in fact sometimes the indication that it is time is the opposite that is happening it's your time 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 for favor it's your time for lifting. It's your time for promotion. It's your time to step into the new level. I came to tell somebody, we're standing in a Kairos place, in a Kairos moment, and we are a Kairos people. It's your time. It's your time for lifting. It's your time for breakthrough. It's your time for a turnaround. It's your time. Oh yes, it's your time. I don't know what it is you've been looking God for to God for. It's your time. It's your time to conceive. It's your time to actualize that dream, to actualize that vision. I came to prophesy to you, it's your time. It's your time for that new union. It's your time. If you believe it, come on, start to say it over yourself. Start to decree and declare it over yourself. It's my time. It's my time. It's my time. I decree it. I declare it. I receive it in the name of Jesus. It is my time. Thank you, Lord. We give you the glory. We give you the praise. I've discharged the assignment you gave me to discharge, oh God. I have said what you gave me to say. Now I ask, oh God, that you confirm your word with signs and wonders following. You who perform the words of your messengers, now perform the word you put in my mouth to speak with evidential testimonies to follow. Thank you, Lord. I give you the glory. I give you the praise. It's not just your time. It's our time. House of the Rock London, it's our time. It's our time. Encourage your brother, encourage your sister, tell him it's our time. It's our time. It's our time. It's our time. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The rejected cornerstone is about to become the head of the corner.
the overlooked people are about to be declared God's own people, peculiar and glorious. It's our time. It's our time. We bless you, Lord Jesus. We bless you, Lord Jesus. We bless you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. If you're out there, you haven't accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you don't know what you're missing out on. It's your time to accept him and to submit to his lordship. So at this point in time, with all heads bowed and all eyes closed, could you repeat these words of prayer after me? Lord Jesus, today I repent of my sin and I accept you as my Lord and my Savior. I believe in my heart and I make this confession with my lips. And therefore, by faith, I am born again, a new creation in Christ Jesus. Amen and amen. If you prayed that prayer, you are indeed saved and we are so super elated to welcome you into the body of Christ. We want to help you grow from being a child to becoming a mature son of God. So please engage with us on any of the platforms through direct messages or follow the pathway on our website or send us an email or put a phone call through and let's help you to grow in the Lord. And particularly, let's encourage you that you need to be planted in a house and this is a good house as any for you to be planted in where you'll find real fellowship and real growth in the name of Jesus. We hope you've enjoyed this uplifting sermon from House on the Rock Church, the London Lighthouse. We hope you've been informed and inspired. Join us for services every Wednesday and Sunday. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram and Facebook at HOTR London. Also, live stream our services on YouTube at HOTR London. For more information, visit our website on hotr.org.uk.